Welcome to Signs of the Times, a look at recent world events from around our kitchen table. Impacts, and indeed outgassings, are phenomena which militate against direct eyewitness accounts. Witness a 20-megaton outburst or a significant outgassing at close range, and it's unlikely that you'll be writing your experience down for posterity. So wrote Michael Bailey, a noted dendrochronologist, in his book, Exodus to Arthur, Catastrophic Encounters with Comets. It is an astonishing book that challenges conventional understanding of history, religion, and myth. One of the topics that we talk about an awful lot on the science page is the strange weather that's been happening around the world in the last few years. The earthquakes, volcanoes, and general awakening of the earth that seems to be happening. This week on the Signs of the Time podcast, we're going to be discussing climate change. The strange weather that we've been having over the last few years, the apparent awakening of the Ring of Fire with the tsunami a year ago, almost a year ago now, the earthquakes that hit Japan last fall, there was a series of earthquakes and they've continued. There have been earthquakes all around the Ring of Fire. There are volcanoes all around the Ring of Fire that are awakening. It's quite clear to just about everyone that something very unusual is happening. Anyone who's talked to a farmer recently will have no doubt heard stories of the changes of weather in his or her lifetime. Uh, Something's going on, and people are aware of it, even if they're not aware of the causes. Certainly some of the causes that are given are man's intervention in the on the earth, the burning of fossil fuels that is causing global warming. But there may be other causes, and man might not be the only cause. And in fact, much of the analysis that we do on the science page is done with the idea in the back of our minds that it's not oil that is getting George Bush and the neocons to go into Iraq. There is something much more fundamental going on in the world that the world leaders are aware of, and that all of the political shenanigans that are going on are pretty much a theatrical spectacle that is being put on for our benefit to keep us occupied and engaged in the horrific things that are going on, but to turn our attention away from what the real motivations are. And this is something, uh, the the idea of, of climate change, earth changes, cyclic catastrophes, this is something that we have uh, alluded to in the past as a a you know, the real reason, uh, possibly for the war on terror, uh, for the 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 restrictions, clampdown on civil liberties, and so on and so forth. And when we look at the news of uh, the past uh, week to ten days, uh, what we notice is a rather interesting collection of stories relating to to climate and earth changes. Uh, as well as some interesting comments from the people who are in power around the world. Just to give a a brief rundown of some of the things that have happened recently, we've had an an amount of solar activity that's pretty extraordinary. Uh, There was an article on Friday's science page talking about how global warming has passed the point of no return in that many uh, so-called experts are saying that the uh, the melting of the polar ice caps, you know, ice shelves falling off and you know falling into the the, the sea. That you know, this is uh, if it hasn't already gotten to the point of no return, it's it's going to very quickly get there, and it's it's 
basically going to be a, a disaster of global proportions. It will cause global climate change, and it's obviously pretty serious stuff. We've also had the story in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina of a uh, it was it was FEMA who had a list, and of course they said back in August 2001, where they said basically they predicted uh, a terrorist attack on New York City. Uh, a hurricane devastating New Orleans, causing flooding. And the third item on the list was a, a devastating earthquake in California. And so uh, we had another article, uh, again, it was on Friday's science page, about the earthquake threat to Los Angeles specifically. Uh, that that a quake, uh, a large quake in that area is not only overdue, but that it would be, in fact, more devastating than than Hurricane Katrina was in uh, New Orleans and the other southern U.S. states. In addition to that, you have the recent stories about uh, the Russians conducting an, an earthquake exercise in the Kamchatka Peninsula, which you can sort of couple with the seismic activity that Henry mentioned uh, near Indonesia and you know Eastern Asia, uh, Alaska, and the eastern U.S. coast, because all these areas are basically sitting on the same plate and have been rather active in recent years. And also to tie into that is the uh, apparent volcanic activity in Oregon. Uh, there's a bulge near South Sister, and of course the experts are trying to play it down and saying, you know, no, nah, this is, you know, probably not anything major, but, you know, the the possibility obviously exists that, you know, if there's this huge bulge, well, then something is going on. And, and given all the other activity, I mean, if it was an isolated event, that's one thing. But given all the other activity, volcanic activity, seismic activity, uh, it, it seems that when you put all the signs together, there's something rather big going on, potentially. And other items in the news, uh, Japan is conducting their own uh, deep impact tests, this time with an asteroid. Uh, they even plan on shooting a little projectile at the asteroid and blowing off some you know, some particles of the asteroid and then vacuuming them up and for analysis. Uh, so there, there continues to be a, a, a rather extraordinary interest in comets and asteroids. Uh, also, the flu threat, George Bush the other day, uh, in a speech to world leaders of the UN, said, We must remain on the offensive against new threats to public health, such as avian influenza. If left unchallenged, the virus could become the first pandemic of the 21st century. And, of course, this was after uh, when he was on his Texas vacation before Hurricane Katrina. Uh, we had an article where one of the books that he was reading was about uh, a previous devastating flu outbreak. And so we have the feeling that something is going on with the flu, obviously, if George Bush, of all people, is attempting to read a book about it. And in addition to the flu, there's Did it the, have good pictures? I, I think, I, I'm not sure, but... I would imagine, <laughs> in addition to the avian flu threat, there are the, the three mice infected with uh, bubonic plague, that just happened to disappear from a New Jersey uh, bioterrorism research lab, and they're running around, and federal officials say, well, you know, we probably won't find them. So, you know, three mice infected with the plague, just, you know, running around the U.S., no big deal. And finally, uh, we had uh, recent reports of people seeing lights in the sky. They don't know if they're UFOs. Some of the lights were stationary. Other lights were moving. And when you couple that with uh, a man in the U.K. who claims he saw a meteor uh, falling through the sky. You you put all this together, and what you get is a rather 
interesting if frightening picture of the potential fun that awaits mankind. Yeah, of all the things that are going on on the planet uh, from a geological point of view and also uh, in the sky above our heads. Uh, and the fact is that all of the things that uh, that we've just listed here that, that, that seem to be in the news at the moment, the various different, really the, the ways that, that we, ca- we can all, as a our large, portion, large portions of, of humanity, can expire all at once. All of these things have very obvious historical precedents. I mean, everyone is aware that, um, that in the past, in the history of, of, of mankind, there have been many occasions when there has have been uh, large eruptions, uh, volcanic eruptions, large, you know, uh, maybe lesser known would be the idea of outgassings, serious earthquakes that have disrupted uh, civilizations throughout the ages, and also um, the, probably the lesser known and the one that they really want to keep under wraps is the, uh, the idea of um, meteorite impacts or space rocks hitting the Earth, because that's one of the things that, in fact, that the previously mentioned Mike Bailey, who is a dendrochronologist, um, and a dendrochronologist is someone who studies the uh, tree ring growth, and uh, Mike Bailey uh, specifically looks at uh, very old uh, tree tree rings that have been preserved in bogs around the world uh, from you know hundreds and thousands of years ago where he he digs them up and he looks at the the the, the growth on the tree rings and he uh, develops a, an analysis or a conclusion of that specific period in time um one of the most interesting um studies that he's done is around uh, the year 500 AD uh, when he shows that where he shows that uh, tree rings that he has discovered um showed a marked decline in in growth for over a period of 3 to 4 years uh, around that time and um he he quite reasonably posits that there's really only one way this can happen and it's that the um the sun the light from the sun was blotted out to you know maybe fifty percent of its in intensity um for for that period of time um so you had very very cold winters and hardly any summers and he then takes the next step and suggests that the only way that the sun could be blotted out in such a way would be that there would be a, a large um massive cloud or dust uh, covering up high in the atmosphere and again the way that this could have happened would have been obviously a vol- volcanic eruption or uh, a meteorite impact, for example, or, or hundreds of meteorite impacts, uh, a meteorite shower uh, hitting hitting the Earth. And the specific um, place that, that these, these tree rings were found was in Western Europe, and he suggests that um, from other historical, fairly limited historical data, but evidence of in historical texts of, of people sighting fire raining from the sky, that it was quite possible that there was a meteorite impact, uh, and we're talking here about uh, less than 1,500 years ago, a meteorite impact that um, essentially ignited most of Western Europe. Uh, and it's very interesting also that this was just before the the the, uh, the, the famous other historical Dark Ages descended on Europe, where civilization seemed to be turned back, or the clock seemed to be turned back on civilization, and um, essentially people had to start again. One thing that's interesting about the dendrochronology is by taking trees from different eras, taking beams from old houses and old buildings, uh, and by matching the overlapping uh, rings from from sample to sample, they're able to build a continual chronology of the tree rings that goes back many, many thousands of years. I think it's it's close to six thousand years of continual 
uh, growth they're able to to analyze. And within that, they can go back and they can see the cycles of warming and cooling that go back 6,000 years. And as one of the things we talk about is cycles of history, we find that this is very interesting because one of the things that concerns us are exactly these cycles. Because if there are things that have happened regularly in the past, and if you can determine what the length of time of these cycles are, then you can project ahead in the future, and you can get some idea of when the next cycle is going to come. Yeah, because it seems that from from history, from a, from a historical point of view, uh, the people that existed, uh, the people that were alive on the planet at the time of um, of these either collapses of of, of of empires or, or collapses of civilizations. Um, none of them, the ordinary people in the street we're talking about here, none of them were aware right up until the last moment that, that what was happening was actually happening. And um, certainly there would have been signs and uh, people would have been aware that uh, there was something not quite right about uh, the, the, the planet or their, their specific uh, area in which they lived. But um, none of them were able to, to figure it out, and this happened over and over again. And we're not saying here exactly um, a, 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 the same event over and over again, for example, like repeated earthquakes or whatever, but, but generally just cataclysmic or, or catastrophic events that, that seriously affected civilizations. And, and as you say, people, the ordinary person in the street was caught completely unawares of, of that. I mean, we can cite, for example, Pompeii, the eruption of Vesuvius uh, that, that totally um, destroyed the, the city and surrounding area of Pompeii where people were essentially carbonized um, in their homes. And, and, of course, that can be seen in Italy for for any anybody that's been there. Uh, I mean, we can cite um, also political um, events, for example, in Nazi Germany that we've talked about quite quite often in the past, where the ordinary person in Nazi Germany was not aware of, of what was going on at, at a political level um, until it was too late. And, and this is a very troubling and very, very worrying um, trait that seems to be recurring over and over again throughout human history, where people, the ordinary person, is, is really... Um, is caught is completely blindsided by by these events, and we don't for a minute believe that that it's not possible to to foresee them. Uh, all it takes is, uh, I suppose, a bit of courage and um, looking at the signs. And it also puts the question of prophecy in a different light. If you were a civilization or a group of people who had been pretty much wiped out by some great cataclysm catastrophe such as this meteors falling from the sky or the close passing of a comet. And if you felt concern about humanity, about other people, you would want to leave some sort of a warning to your descendants. And so we find in many mythologies and many sacred texts, they talk about catastrophes such as the Great Flood. There are discussions of fires in the skies. Uh, the Book of Revelations is full of this kind of imagery, and we are taught to consider that this stuff is, if you want, the the work of wild minds hallucinating, when it may very well be that these were texts that were written down to leave a message of something that had already happened, something that our ancestors were concerned were going to, to happen again, and so they left us a list in a, in a certain form of these signs to be looked for. Yeah, you're really talking here about like strange beliefs of various civilizations that you know that that certainly we we can understand that they would have become 
um, they would have been diluted over time, you know. So you had a, a very um, a rather nebulous uh, kind of uh, understanding or, or uh, pre- presentation of, of of these events that that at the time were very real and could have been certainly explained in a very real way. But over hundreds or even thousands of years, they they, they in a kind of Chinese whisper kind of way got uh, distorted and diluted and became more mythological. I mean, the, the the Celts, for example, had a had the, the, the fear of or the, the sky falling on their heads, basically. You know, and I mean, you can maybe. Um, Imagine exactly what that originally was was related to. Um, There's also been a very strong association between comets and bad omens and ill luck, mm-hmm. and this comes down through many different cultures. And today, there are a lot of people that kind of laugh this off and put it off to just the uh, lack of scientific understanding of our ancestors. But it very well may have come from their own experience where comets passed and plagues were unleashed. But that could be applied just as equally to, to our civilization, getting back to the point that um, it seems that history shows that the ordinary people in the, in, in the street are not aware of these events until it's too late. Uh, I, mean, I mean, they're hit literally on the head by by it, and um, that would suggest, I mean, we're, we're at the moment, we're supposedly a very uh, scientifically and technologically advanced civilization, but if, if, if our civilization came to a sudden end, the people that were left... The ordinary person in the street, for them, they would have no, generally no scientific understanding of, of what had just happened. Um, and, and future civilizations would look back and call our civilization completely unscientific. And, and, and that's why any kind of myths that come down from our civilization of, of, in, in, the, in the event of a, of a cataclysm um, would also be technically unscientific, would be you know, very basic. And, 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 um, but the thing is that there are people in power at the minute. We propose that are very scientific in terms of their understanding of of what we're talking about in terms of the fact that there are these cycles of 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 cataclysms that the earth undergoes and there's nothing you know conspiratorial or outrageous about this i mean it's historical fact but the the the, the problem that people have is that it that it may happen cyclically and it may even be to do with it may have some strange and as yet un, un, unknown or understood relationship with the people on the planet and and um, or maybe the nature of the people on the planet or the experiences that the people on the planet are having and that that has a direct relationship to to these events you know that that there that you can't completely divorce or divorce the um the 6 billion people on the planet and the planet itself it's the place where we live and we're intricately tied to each other really and and if the powers that be are are in fact aware of certain cyclic catastrophes, then that means that there is data out there which supports this theory. And in fact, certainly there there are uh, the the what are generally regarded as the myths, which are obviously regarded with more skepticism. That the scientific community looks at all this and, and says, well, you know, that's you know, it's the Book of Revelation, so it's you know, is this historically accurate? Well, you know. Eh. Um, but, but obviously again, if, if, if the powers that be, they, they have to be, uh, if, if of course our, our theory is correct and, and we believe it is based on the available evidence, there is hardcore data out there that basically proves that yes, there are cyclic catastrophes and there have been catastrophic events in the past that have literally wiped out, uh, in, you know, the global population, entire civilizations, and 
One of the things that uh, Laura Nyajic notes in her article, Independence Day, is that generally the people who say that cyclic extinctions do happen and that they happen frequently approach the subject from the point of view of collecting and presenting the data, as we attempt to do on the science page. And, of course, as Laura has attempted to do in her book, The Secret History of the World. And on the other hand, the the naysayers, so to speak, generally approach the subject from the point of view of trying to explain it all away, or uh, say it's just it's you know your your assumptions are faulty, or it's you know you've misunderstood or misinterpreted the data, when in fact there is quite a bit of of data that indicates, uh, for example, that twelve thousand years ago there was an extinction. And as Laura writes in her book, The Secret History of the World, which is, of course, available at qfgpublishing.com, it does appear that, there, that, that something, uh, something catastrophic happened to uh, the, the large mammals roaming the, the land at that time. Back in uh, the 1940s, Laura writes that uh, there was a, a professor of archaeology at the University of New Mexico who led an expedition to Alaska to look for human remains. And he didn't find any human remains, but what he found was miles and miles of icy muck that was filled with with the remains of mammoths, mastodons, bison, horses, wolves, bears, and of course, you know, they they decided to to look for gold. So they had bulldozers, and they were, uh, you know, these animal tusks and bones were rolling in front of the blades of these bulldozers, and they were pushing all this stuff into these sluices to to try and separate the gold, and 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 basically, people just they just stood around in awe that it was this. I mean, it was just these killing fields that stretched for for hundreds of miles in every direction. There were there were trees, animals, layers of peat and moss, and it was all twisted and twisted and tangled together. Uh, as Laura writes, uh, as as some sort of cosmic mix master sucked them all in, and and blended it all together. And the interesting thing about that is that that the um, that the animals that were found were pretty much preserved in in the in the ice. Uh, Perfectly preserved, and of course, one wonders how this might have happened. It, it seemed that they were basically instantly frozen, and you wonder how such a vast area uh, and a vast number of animals and and, and, and plants, etc., could have been instantly frozen. Uh, some of them, some of the woolly mammoths, uh, recorded as having uh, food still in their t- stomachs. You're talking about a a, a a a sudden and immediate freeze, you know, and. Um, the idea was that, it, that something it was, out of the film the day after. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. the day after tomorrow. Mm-hmm. The, the image that kind of comes to you from reading that kind of stuff is that there was a, like a massive, a, a massive kind of tidal wave of of, of ice, of, of freezing water, ice, and, and, and ice that swept across the country, and, and basically, and then and quickly afterwards, uh, a return to below ter- below freezing uh, temperatures. And these are facts on the ground that that scientists and archaeologists and um, geologists have uncovered, but they refuse or perhaps are not allowed to go uh, or take the next very logical step, which is to to to, to put the clues together and, and pretty much conclude that that something cataclysmic happened um, and something that was not in not in their in their within their expectations. And sadly, if it's not within their expectations, then generally they rule it out. Um, if it if it if it if it's something that is a little bit too frightening or too scary, then it's uh, they put it down as as impossible, regardless of the facts. Yeah, and, and in fact, Laura writes uh, in the Secret History of the World that uh, the the famous 
Berezovka mammoth first drew attention to the preserving properties of being quick frozen when buttercups were found in its mouth. And immediately after that, she writes, What kind of terrible event overtook these millions of creatures in a single day? Well, the evidence suggests an enormous tsunami raging across the land, tumbling animals and vegetation together to be finally quick frozen for the next 12,000 years. But the extinction was not limited to the Arctic, even if the freezing preserved the evidence of nature's rage. And this sort of introduces a rather interesting element because, you know, I mean, people ask us, well, well, you know, how does this, I mean, you know, we gave a list of all these these crazy things that are happening uh, around the world in terms of earthquakes and and volcanic activity and the the flu threat and and all this stuff is going down at once. And yet you see that 12,000 years ago in the Carolinas in the U.S., there are these mysterious land features um, that are basically oval-shaped craters. Uh, many of which have become lakes, and it is suspected by uh, many scientists and experts that this was the result of a vast meteor shower, which, coincidentally enough, occurred approximately 12,000 years ago. So again, you have, you know, in in approximately 12,000 years ago, not only do you have what seems like a giant tsunami and then the subsequent flash freezing, but you also have it at basically the exact same time, or in, in at least in the general vicinity of that time, you have a huge number of, of meteor impacts because in, in the Carolinas, this isn't just like one or two. This is a vast number of... 500,000. Five, 500,000. 500,000. And so obviously you have, you have this, this data here, you know, sitting right in front of us. And, and this is, this is scientific fact that all these things occurred. And, you know, so now today when we see, you know, we have our climate or uh, our climate and earth changes supplement, we have our signs meteor supplement. And, you know, the reason that we're documenting all this, this information is because in fact, this sort of thing has happened before and it was all linked together and you know the data is all there for those who choose to look at it yeah and it's, it's, it brings up the interesting point of the 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 separation between science and, and mythology or pre-organized religion uh, myths and 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 history that have, that have been passed down for scientists um Mythology has has by their by their reading it has no basis in, in in scientific fact and has no therefore no relevance to the to the world of science or the world of archaeology or geology or any of the other ologies that should be involved in the investigation of these kind of um, cyclical or seemingly cyclical events. So when scientists come up against um, uh, information and, and fa- actual factual evidence. Um, for this kind of a, a history of, of the planet of of, of natural uh, catastrophes that repeat over and over again, um, because they it, it sits outside of their 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 understanding of the of the way that the, that the world works and the way that the, the the universe in general works, they dismiss it as just uh, an anomaly, or they come up with some excuse or some rationale as to, to explain it away. But if they if they would give some credibility to these myths that have come down from previous civilizations, uh, they would then have very definite um, evidence uh, that would back up or that would that would um, lead into um, the possibility that, that, that these claims of cyclical uh, catastrophes could be can, can be verified in a in a in a concrete way because you have the you not only you have the, the physical evidence but you also have the the evidence um 
from the the accounts, and that's what mythology is. It's the accounts of the of the experiences of of previous civilizations. But of course, they explain it all away as just uh, crazed um, or or uneducated or naive people who didn't understand as they do, uh, as as today's scientists do, didn't understand the workings of the universe, which is uh, extremely arrogant and um, an extremely dangerous uh, an extremely dangerous way to think. And extremely typical of our society. Another interesting point about the date of 12,000 years ago for this cataclysm that we've been describing that uh, tsunami-like swept uh, thousands upon thousands of animals to a freeze-dried death in the Arctic. This is the same date that Plato gives as being the time of the fall of Atlantis. So coming from another source, we arrive at the same dates. So the historical record through dendrochronology, through carrots taken from glaciers, the stories that have been left to us in myth and legend point to cyclical catastrophes as striking the earth or parts of the earth, destroying civilization at the time or parts of civilization at the time. So this is part of the record. But the next step is to inquire as to what is the cause of these cycles of catastrophe. Can we come up with some explanation that will tell us why this happens? And in fact, there is such an explanation. Dr. Richard Mueller, who is a professor of physics at the University of California at Berkeley, has done an analysis of the movement of the planets in our solar system and has come to the conclusion that our solar system is part of a binary star system. Our sun has a dark star companion and the two stars uh, revolve around one another. According to his calculations, the time for a complete cycle is 27 million years. Following on from this, we can imagine that when the sun's dark star companion comes into perihelion with our sun, it would pass through the Oort cloud. The Oort cloud is a collection of rock that forms a wide band way beyond the orbit of Pluto. Now, you can imagine if a large object such as a star were to pass through that collection of rock, it would be somewhat similar to a bowling ball crashing through bowling pins, sending them scattering in all sorts of directions, and most especially towards the inner part of the solar system. Okay, fine. But if it takes 27 million years for the dark star to do one complete orbit, how can we have any assurance that we are alive in the one period in that 27 million years when the star might pass through? Is there some sort of evidence for this? Well, in fact, there is. In the 17th century, there was a strange astronomical fact of a 75-year solar minimum that began around 1640 and extended to 1715 when there were no solar maximums. Now, as you probably know, the sun passes through 11-year solar cycles where they go from a minimum to a maximum and back to a minimum in a period of 11 years. A solar minimum and a solar maximum is measured in one level by the number of sunspots indicating activity on the uh, sun's surface. And during the solar minimum, there are no sunspots. Now, the strange thing that occurred during the period of what is called the Maunder Minimum is that there were no sunspots seen on the sun during a 70-year period. 
as far as we know. This has never happened in the period since. It's hard to know when it might have happened prior to this because records weren't being kept of sunspot cycles. If the uh, dark star had passed through the Oort cloud and had been at its closest uh, distance to our sun, the gravitation of that would have had a dampening effect upon our sun, and it would have caused such a uh, extended period of a solar minimum. If we take the existence of a double for our sun with a, an orbit of 27 million years, and if we take the wander minimum as the period of its perihelion, that is, its closest approach to the sun, we find that it is over 300 years ago. If it had gone through the Oort cloud and if it had knocked all of this space rock towards the inner solar system, it would be on its way towards us for 300 years. Now, another interesting thing that it's happened in the last 10 years is that the number of known satellites for Jupiter and Saturn have increased by a large number. Scientists, astronomers try to explain this away with the increase in the technology that we have looking at these uh, planetary systems, that it's simply because we're able to look more closely that we've seen the greater number of moons. But another explanation is that these moons are pieces of rock that have been captured by the gravitation of these planets as the massive numbers of uh, rock and debris that have been thrown into the inner solar system have passed by these planets. That indicates that they're getting quite close. They've already passed Jupiter. Getting closer to home, we've been reporting for the last few years on the Signs of the Times page the increasing number of sightings of fireballs and meteors, and not just the kind of shooting stars you'll see during the Perseids, but rather large fireballs, sometimes that are described as being as large as the moon, that are passing through the, the skies. And even uh, small chunks uh, crashing through people's roofs or cars and you know landing on people's couches. And We'd like to think that if we've figured this out, that we're not the only ones, and we assume that there are people in positions of great power on the planet who know that this is what is coming. So the very intriguing idea exists, therefore, that um, if, and we might reasonably assume that, that people in positions of, of, of power, and we're not really just talking only about um, like the, 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 the public face of government here, but the, the people behind them, the people in those positions um, do have the resources and have not um, uh, enforced this, this strict separation between um, science and, and mythology, but have certainly put the pieces together and have come to the conclusion that the Earth certainly does go through cyclical catastrophes associated with cometary impacts and that we are facing into one in the very near future. And if that were the case then it would certainly be a very interesting explanation for many of the events that we're seeing, many of the political events that we've been seeing over the past number of years. Um, and as we mentioned at the very beginning of the, of the program today, um, that this would explain many otherwise unexplainable or, or very um, confusing uh, positions and um, activities that, that, that have been... Uh, that are being followed at present by, by politicians in terms of um, this war without end and uh, the invasion of, of the Middle East and the setting up of, of proxy governments, essentially the overtaking of the Middle East by, by Western, Western governments. 
as well as the war on terror and what that has done in terms of the ending of people's rights in the United States, the preparation for a police state and total control. If you imagine a situation where there are cataclysms such as Katrina happening uh, in many different places, if you imagine a scenario as the Pentagon has done where we move into a new ice age and food and the necessities for life are scarce and fighting breaks out over the basic necessities, then a police state is one way of attempting to control the population. Well, certainly it's an essential um, uh, set of uh, rules or conditions that, would, that, 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 that you would have to put in place if you hope to come out on the other side in, in the same position of power as, as you were beforehand. So, And again, you'll notice that we, we here we're linking uh, politics and, and um, uh, military activities with, with history and with ecological um, aspects and, um, and this is the one thing that, 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 that is not done that, that are, are the, there seems to be this idea that, that, all, that these aspects of, of life here on the planet are, are all completely independent of each other when, when the evidence which is, would suggest that they're not that, that they're all very definitely linked together and they, uh, one feeds the other and, and you can't separate them from each other and, uh, and, 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 and how can you actually separate uh, politics from military action from control of the population and because very recently we've seen the the very direct link between um, natural meteorological events or climactic events with politics in, in 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 Hurricane Katrina. I mean, Hurricane Katrina was a hurricane. It, nobody nobody could have well certainly people could have foreseen it and did foresee it, but no one could have stopped it. No one made it happen. Let's say. But it happened, and it had very direct uh, implications for politics. So all of these things are obviously completely linked, and we just take it one step further and expand it out to to to, to, a, to a broader level. And if if there is a, a climactic event that was going to threaten not just a few states within the U.S. but the entire planet, well, then that would have serious repercussions and serious implications. It would really be a climactic event. Exactly. It would have serious implications for politics all around the world, for political regimes all around the world. And Mm -hmm. and they're vying for power and and maintaining that power. And indeed, uh, how can you consider uh, the the political environment of of a country or a planet with, you know, I mean, it's, it's, everyone seems to want to consider, for example, politics to the exclusion of everything else. Well, politics is influenced by things as simple as climate, as, I mean, it's, it has to be intricately linked, or you're, you know, you're exposed. Yeah, you are. You are, and yeah, and 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 ignoring uh, certain factors which which influence uh, politics, for example. So to exclude these things and to to examine things individually without considering the broader context, and uh, you know, that's uh, it's folly. And people, politicians obviously don't do that. Politicians uh, at the level that we're talking about are very smart, very intelligent people, and they will cover all bases to ensure that they remain in power. And if, if one of those bases includes uh, the obvious impact on, on, on the political life that that, um, that ecological factors have, well, then they're going to consider those. And this is really interesting when it comes to George Bush, who has the image of being the incompetent bumbler. 
Well, what if George Bush is not the incompetent bumbler on some level? I mean, certainly Bush, well, on, as, an in, as an individual, may be an incompetent bumbler, but the people behind him certainly are not. And what if what they are doing is all driven by their knowledge of these events that are that are on the horizon? They put out a parading fool to distract us, to make us think, oh, well, faulty intelligence, uh, the guy doesn't know what he's doing, when in fact, behind the scenes, they know very, very well what they're doing, and they're just using Bush as a distraction. So that about wraps it up for this week's podcast. As always, if you'd like to read more about the topics we covered today, you can read all the articles at the science page at www.com signs-of-the-times.org and if you'd like to order uh, Laura's book The Secret History of the World or any other books uh, those can be found at qfgpublishing.com and finally we would like to note that 9-11 The Ultimate Truth Laura's new book which explores the the topics related to 9-11 who is behind 9-11 and what it means for the world at large 9-11, The Ultimate Truth, is available for pre-order. It will be released uh, on October 1st, and again, that's available at qfgpublishing.com. So, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week. 